the following the following journey into comics 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 network 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 production production Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 3 of Poor 360. We're coming right around again to bring you another episode. And I mean we as in me because I'm a little tired. It's If you're from the Midwest or if you know someone from the Midwest, you know the Midwest is being hit with some crazy weather right now. Like Wednesday is supposed to be the coldest day in like 25 years? 35 years? It's something ridiculous. So... My, my work's already called off. I know I'm sure schools will be closed. It's like, going to be like negative 20 some odd, even worse with wind chill. Like, stay inside, turn your heat up, just don't mess with it. But, bringing the shards got done shoveling outside, so I'm a little cold, I'm a little sniffly, but you just kind of kind of roll with it when you have a podcast to do. And, like I said on last week's show, that I decided to start coming up with polls to work on to kind of decide what my next topic will be on Poor 360. Like I said, Poor 360 is a topic-based show. And it kind of came to me. I was watching the show on Netflix that was originally on Crackle, which was Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which is a show that Jerry Seinfeld does where he takes comedians or other well-known people, puts them in a car, classic car, or car like a famous car, just some car that's not very common, then takes them to a coffee shop and they talk and sure it's... Like a talk show, but it's in a car. So, I was watching... I think it was the episode... There was two episodes that kind of helped me think of this. Um, one was involving Pat Oswalt. And he was... Uh, I don't know where they were, but they... I think they were somewhere in Southern California. And they, he took them to this really crazy coffee shop that was super organic. They didn't allow sweeteners... It involved a very specific clientele, and yeah, it was very odd, you know, people were in the skinny jeans, the glasses, all that, and it got me to think, like, like they're talking about, like, oh, this is very hipstery, this is like the, oh, I'm just kind of flaking on the part of it, it's just like the very hipstery part of California that they were in, and then, it, and then I think one of the episodes I watched later involved them going to Portland, which is kind of the mecca of hipsters. It was like everything took a really long time. Everything was super fancy, like the pour over coffee, all that stuff. That's just not very common. It's very out there. I gotta think hipsters is something I don't really know a ton about, other than like, oh, that's a hipster. Like not knowing really their origins or what's going on there. And then my other thought was like, well, what is the other big thing that a lot of people love, a lot of people hate, a lot of people just kind of some people make fun of, some people love. It's just and that was podcasters. Like, I remember on Parks and Recreation, uh, uh, Cease Ansari said something we was talking about, so how, like, podcasts, there's a million of them, and they're all amazing. And then, like, on another podcast I listen to, which kind of brings this full circle, which is the Good Place, the podcast, which is the podcast that's produced by the people who make the TV show, The Good Place, which is a great show. They just had their season three finale. I encourage everyone to watch it. It's just great. Uh, it's... I think the most heart-wrenching comedy that's out there, not even a drama, it's just like, you get so invested in these characters that, but I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. It was a good show, but on their podcast, it's like, 
uh, Ted Danson, who's a character on the show, kind of does one of the intros and says, podcasts are where people procrastinate, to that people listen to, to procrastinate from work or spending time with their family. So, it's always fun. There's definitely a podcast for everyone, and that's why everyone has a podcast. And me talking about podcasts while on podcasts is very meta and different, but it's is what it is. Like I said, I am Andrew Poor. If I haven't really gotten to that yet, you listen to Poor 360, obviously. But yeah, so my what I pulled up the poll was hipsters versus podcasters. And surprisingly enough, a lot of the people who voted are either involved with podcasts or like podcasts. So hipsters became the, I think by that close, like the, I've only done two polls, but the highest margin, which was like 75 or 74 to 26%. So clearly wanted to hear about hipsters. I still did the poll on Twitter. Twitter doesn't seem to be taking off. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'll keep fine-tuning it, trying new hashtags, trying to get that hashtag, another hipstery thing. But it got me to think, like, all right, so hipsters is the topic, so how is hipsters around? Like, I always thought hipsters was kind of an evolution of hippies, like, from the 60s, but it actually turns out it happened a lot further than that. But before I really get into, like, the history, I thought I'd kind of delve into some definitions. And I'm going to do... The two most common places where people find uh, definitions, and that is going to the Merriam-Webster.com, uh, obviously the most common Webster Dictionary, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and also Urban Dictionary. So I'm going to give you the kind of one definition and then another definition. So obviously Merriam-Webster's, which has been around since 1828 according to their website, their definition of hipster is a person who is unusually aware of and interested in new and unconventional patterns as in jazz or fashion. And you know it's definitely an old dictionary because it mentioned jazz and fashion. And now let's go to another fun place, Urban Dictionary, where you always do the little randomizer. It's kind of like um, like Wikipedia, you do the same kind of thing. Now this one is pretty fun, and this is the top definition. So, hipsters are people that try too hard to be different and generally do think that they're being different by rejecting anything they deem to be too popular. Ironically, so many other people are also try too hard to be different than they also wind up being the exact same. So hipsters aren't exactly different at all. They're just people that are snobbier and more annoying about their taste and alternative things, which are all popular now thanks to other hipsters. Hipsters pride themselves on liking things that no one else likes and normally only really like them being like them because they think no one else likes them and that they're being unique. This is being delusional because all the other hipsters also like the same things. Uh, here's the thing. Hipster. I love Mumford & Sons because they're so different to popular music nowadays. A million other hipsters. I love Mumford & Sons because they're so different to popular music nowadays. Mumford & Sons consequently became a popular band because of their large hipster following of people who think they're being different for listening to them. No, this isn't a hate on Mumford & Sons. It's just an example. Um, and they put on hashtags. Hashtag hipster, hashtag douchebag, hashtag... It's just all the thing. Another, I think, more profound, more explanatory definition, which is the number two, which is, hipsters are a subculture of American consumer for whom the idea behind the marketing holds more value than the product being marketed. The attachment of certain words, phrases, or ideas to a product, counterculture, independent or indie, progressive, alternative or alt, organic, holistic, old school, where that product is music, fashion, technology, food, social media, real estate, it's enough to connote to the hipsters' authenticity and value regardless of whether there is any innate value to be found. Ironically, the hipster perceives his self slash herself 
as the counterpoint to mass culture and conformity when in fact the ease with which hipster culture can be appropriated, repackaged, and marketed makes them the ultimate conformist. Example, tattoos were once a sign of rebellion and a badge of one's outsider status. Now over 40% of all Americans under 50 have a tattoo, essentially making them all members of the same tribe. Oh, and I like how Defters Do said Defters 1 was clearly written by a hipster. So yeah, that's kind of the fun things. And kind of gets to think, like, what is a hipster? Now this is actually from Travels of Adam, which kind of sounds like a hipster site. So what is a hipster? The answer to the ubiquitous question asked of the millennial generation. Plus a travel manifesto, plus a travel manifesto for hipsters on why, where, and how we travel. This is the Travels of Adam website, travelsofadam.com. Shameless plug here. And the picture of the guy definitely looks like a hipster. Skinny jeans, weird long sleeve t-shirt, light fuzzing of facial hair, slicked over hair. He has a little bio on the site that you have to look at before you do anything, which is, I've worked as a bookseller, graphic designer, publisher, marketer, and writer, but it was a 15-month trip around the world which brought it all together into the blog. I lived in Berlin, Tel Aviv, London, Sydney, Boston, and Dallas. Since early 20s, I live in New York City at the center of the world. On this travel, you'll find my gay stories, nightlife trips, photos, and all two personal essays about the adventures around the world. Interesting. So, here's kind of what he says. So, what is a hipster? Everyone seems to want to know who, what, where is a hipster. They're trying to declare that there is no real definition for what a hipster is. The word is used loosely by just about every publication imaginable. Now, what is a hipster? You could be surprised. It could very well be you. A hipster is an individual, one that usually fits within a certain subculture, which subculture doesn't matter because the definition for hipster is so very vague. In the most simplest of terms, a hipster is an individual who wants to know things, whether it's knowing a band before anyone else, or knowing about the conflict in Syria, the history of taxidermy, or obscure words in the 20th century America. A hipster is someone that's eager to learn, to see, and yes, even to do. Being a hipster means you're a part of a subculture. As a demographic, hipsters try to set themselves apart from the culture as a whole while simultaneously remaining within the culture. There is nothing extraordinary for a subculture, yet there's a certain stigma applied to the hipster label. The term hipster has become used rather frequently to identify anyone that doesn't appear mainstream. So hipsters stand out from the crowd, even if they just fit into their stereotypical niche of standing out from the crowd. Personally, hipster is just about the only label I've ever felt comfortable with. Subculture is so vague that can cover all manners of sins, styles, and vices. So yeah, even he says he's a hipster. So what do what does a hipster look like? Hipsters wear skinny jeans and cargo pants, t-shirts and tank tops, trucker hats and no hats. They drink wine, beer, gin and tonics, old fashions, and Arnold Palmers. Many hipsters refuse to be recognized by the label or any label, and yet they'll wear branded clothes, and yet many won't. Are you starting to realize a trend here? Hipsters do no one thing, and other hipsters do another. Stereotypically, and really, what is any personified definition but a stereotype, hipsters might look pretty basic. Want to dress like a hipster? You probably already do. Anyone can be a hipster. Hipsters wear just about any brand you can imagine, though reality you generally associate Salvation Army, Oxfam, Humana, and other thrift and vintage shops as the shopping destination of choice of hipsters. Hipster fashions could include any type of label, brand, from Urban Outfitters or something truly trendy and original. An indie designer, perhaps. So, uh, let's see what else does you have here. Uh, I'm not really going to read his travel manifesto, but... Yeah, so that's kind of what he said was hipster. And there's actually even a WikiHow, which kind of anything you need to do, you can go to WikiHow. It's the kind of the jump off of Wikipedia where I've used it to try and figure out how to fix something, mess something around with my dishwasher. It's really a neat little tool. 
But even WikiCow has a thing about how to be a hipster. And what they say, the author info of the article says, Hipsters are people who enjoy clothing, music, food, and activities considered outside of the social mainstream. If you're keen on pursuing the hipster lifestyle, which independent music labels, vintage clothes, and artisanal coffee feature prominently, the following suggestions will help you discover Myriad's way to embrace it fully. Now, hipster fashion. To dress like a hipster, fashion is as important as your taste in music. While shopping at vintage stores remains a staple for many hipsters, this is not a given, nor does it need to be a part of the hipster wardrobe. Avoid buying labeled gear from stores run by the label itself. So very not nice consumerism. Instead, look for independent retailers because supporting obscure retailers is totally deck, for example. Buy from local mixed fashion stores near you. Be sure to assess what you're wearing. Are you layering? Are you buying local? What's the color or style this season? Are you advertising something on your shirt that hipsters identify with? Wear skinny jeans, especially of bright colors or patterns. These can be for anyone of either of the two genders. Hipster men tend to be as skinny as the women. Note that male hipsters actually probably wear skinny jeans more than the girls. Girls prefer leggings. Alternatively for women, high-waisted pants, aka mom jeans, may also be worn. Wear glasses. Hipsters love ironic eyewear such as shutter shades, oversized plastic frame glasses, buddy holly glasses, and most commonly authentic Ray-Ban wayfarers in all the colors of the rainbow. Some hipsters wear glasses even though they have 20-20 vision. In this case, pop out the lenses and make sure they're just regular glass. Wear an ironic top. For tops, the following are good picks. Band shirts such as Pink Floyd, Metallica, Van Halen, etc. Plaid shirts, cowboy shirts, flannels, and anything in gingham, plaid, checkered patterns, paisley, vintage florals. Many hipsters sport tops with appliques, images of animals or forest, other images, characters from children's TV shows, and ironic phrase or even book covers. Uh, Fitted hoodies are perfect too. Uh, dress vintage. Consider a vintage floral lace dress. Your granny's closet is definitely a good source, however you should know how to sew and restyle vintage clothing to fit you. Find suitable footwear. Hipsters shoes often include cowboy boots, combat boots, vintage shoes, unusual shoes, and a range of flats. Converse are no longer hipster. They look great and you can wear them pretty much anywhere, but since everyone wears them, they aren't hipster. If it's trainers you're after, see classic Reebok. High heels should be kept be at least 5 inches. On height and ankle booties are popular too. Cute sandals, keds, tennis slash sand shoes. Boots and granny boots are not only more practical, but also show how little effort you put forth, even if it took you ages to find the perfect pair. Accessorize. There's not a wide range of accessories, including large floral headbands, neon nail polish pins, bright belts, black nail polish bird necklaces, pattern and colorful leggings, etc. Don't forget your plugs, piercings, and random scars, supposedly acquired through woodwork and other carpentry-like endeavors. Appropriately ironic accessories are mandatory, such as things kids would take to school, like an animal image on a lunchbox. Essentials include a courier brag, not a backpack, preferably something from Freetag that can fit your MacBook, iPhone, and vinyl LPs, never CDs, of your current favorite band. Uh, mismatch and layer. Layering or wearing things that don't match together is a very hipster. It's that I can't be bothered look that actually takes some planning until you get into good habit. Remember that a hipster's outfit never needs adjustment should you decide to go to the beach. Keep all of your urban accompaniments for the sand and surf to ironically stick out of your element. This is part two. This is hipster health. Hipster health. Ignore the comments about improper hygiene. Some people associate hipsters with hippies and assume they don't shower regularly or otherwise don't practice proper hygiene. This is a misconception, though some hipsters participate in the no-shampoo movement, which is still very clean. Most practice normal hygiene with bonus artisanal environmental-friendly soaps. And it just doesn't smell great at all. While hipsters do shower really and clean their teeth, they're just less interested in forking out money for hairstyling, spa lessons, pedicures, manicures, and large makeup kits because there's... Signs of comforting to cultural ideas of beauty. 
Arguably, hipsters aren't so interested in making the most of their assets because they see their entire self as an asset. From a self-esteem point of view, this is actually a rather healthy outlook. Uh, keep your hair casual. Messy hairdos are just fine. The bed look. Long, unkempt hair and hair that resists any attempt to stay flat without chemicals or acceptable looks. Blurring general lines with haircuts and styles is part of the hipster culture. Greasy hair is considered okay, but by some in the hipster culture, that doesn't mean you need to concur, and a squeak clean but uncombed do might be more of your thing. For men, large beards and or wax mustaches are not a must, but are preferred if you can grow them. Some hipsters like to dye their hair in an obvious way. Take a green approach to food. Consider growing your own food or turning vegetarian. Use compost if possible. Eating meat isn't always popular with the hipster culture, and many hipsters tend to be vegetarian or vegan. If you do eat meat, you must assert the choice as a cynical transcendence of vegetarians' futile attempts to save the world. Fruit, coffee, Asian food, etc. are all hip foods. If you have absolutely no space to grow your own produce, not even a balcony or a windowsill, go to the natural food foods market instead. Often hipsters are foodies and love making gourmet meals. If you can't cook, consider getting some good cookbooks today. And speaking of foodies, you can check out tomorrow? Maybe next week? I'm a little off, I'm trying to think. But on Wednesdays? Opposite of Journey into Wrestling, you can listen to Foodies Watching Movies, where you can hear about all the great foods. And these people aren't hipsters. You know, they do make pour-over coffee, which I still don't get. It's still confusing to me. I much prefer my Keurig, which is very mainstream and not hipster at all. But that's just me. And now, hipster lifestyle. So, number one, become a master of reuse. This makes a mixture of frugality, respect for some of the past, and desire to demonstrate the new things don't define you. Naturally, you'll need to wrestle with the inconsistency of the step with the fact that loving trying new Apple products and brand new clothes from certain labels is also a side of a true hipster. But since we're all contradictory deep down, the sooner we grasp these contradictions and accept them, the more whole a person will be. Commonly known, old things associated with hipsters include Parliament cigarettes, and a devil-may-care attitude about smoking laws, Pabst beer, grandparents' clothing, or thrift store finds, bicycles with fixed gears, often ridden to the nightclubs, analog cameras, and recycling where using almost anything. Ingenuity, common sense, and fun comes into this. Learn to play a musical instrument for that's the more obscure the better. Example, ukulele is greater than a guitar and a mandolin, which is greater than a piano. Act like it's not a big deal you can play with others are amazed. Reject blind consumerism. Hipsters are into niche consumerism. If you purchase... Helps local retailers, the environment, the mom-and-pop retailer, and the craft sellers down the road, then it's a hipster. Be aware that most hipsters exist in a certain age group. Hipsters tend to be in their teens through their 30s. This part of today's extended adolescent era, consisting of existential angst, searching for purpose and inner worth, and asking the meaning of everything. Of course, it doesn't mean you can, can't be a hipster at an older age, but the fact that as you age, you get less bothered and upset about the way the world works, or doesn't work, probably means you're... Not looking to be labeled anything, not in need of belonging to any subculture, and or less angry that you used to be. Quite possibly you're also being very discreetly stirring the rut of your own teens going through issues and you're less than keen to adopt more of the same for yourself. Uh, be where the hipsters roam. Hipsters tend to congregate in very urban settings and they're connected globally thanks to the internet. In the USA you'll tend to find hipsters in major metropolitan centers where anything goes but where there's independent art galleries, movie houses, bands, and people. Think New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, and especially the Brooklyn, New York suburb of Williamsburg, known as the unofficial hipster capital of the world. Places like Glasslands and Pianos will be right up in your alley. Los Angeles is acceptable, but be careful not to get sucked into the Southern California culture. For less urban US USA, try to find any moderate large college town. In some states, a college town might be the only liberal parts of the state, such as Austin, Texas, or Lawrence, Kansas. 
In the UK, London is your spot. In Canada, try Montreal. In Australia, try Melbourne. And in New Zealand, try Wellington. Do not force yourself to live or go to these places or countries for the sake of being a hipster. These are being too uneconomical, especially if you live in any other side of the world. You can't act, You can actually begin being a hipster in your place. One of the few advantages is if your place knows less about hipsters, the fewer the people will be discriminated against or criticizing you. Take note the internet will always be your best friend. Be educated. Aim to go to college. As hipsters tend to be well-educated in such areas as liberal arts, graphic art, or math and science. Do a lot of reading, even if it means sitting in your local bookstore using their space and actually purchasing the book you're siphoning up knowledge from. So you have to go to a higher ed- level education if you're in your element at college. Going to the library, especially small local libraries, is a good option because you don't have to pay and you can bring book backs when you're finished. Also, they don't mind you just sitting reading without even taking a book out. This is normal in libraries. Hipsters are a subculture that used more of their right brain than the rest of their society. Thus, many hipsters base their career choices around music, art, or fashion. While these areas of work aren't essential choices, they're probably a natural outlet for a hipster's creativity. Education is what helps a hipster to be dismissive about the hue and cry of others. They know it's just history repeating itself, or if it's much ado about nothing. Oh man, this is long. Uh, be an early adopter. Hipsters tend to sense what's worthwhile before the trend or item becomes more popular. Many bands become famous only after hipsters first flocked to their unknown performances. Many clothing trends were started by hipsters, only to be hijacked later by mainstream fashion houses. Many technical gadgets are taken up by hipsters first, only to become mainstream goodies later. Of course, the idea of being an early adopter, hipsters the only one is that once the trend or item becomes a mainstream, it's time to move on to something else obscure and unrecognized. That's trouble with being such an independent spirit. Your trait blaze, but you also have to keep moving on. You're really good at something like math, physics, medicine, psychology, political analysis, eco-awareness, so you might find yourself making amazing discoveries that are light years ahead of everyone else's thinking. You know deep down that you've cottoned onto something that really matters and that really makes sense, but others are not convinced because it's the great unknown. Rest easy and be determined in your knowledge that someday others will come around to your discovery. Don't define yourself to others. One of the key elements of being a hipster has been to avoid the label. Don't go around proclaiming your allegiance. Do so would be to start allying with those who like neatly tied up boxes denoting who is what, when, and where. The moment you define yourself too clearly in this moment, you begin to stagnate and risk being captured by the status quo. Many hipsters will therefore deny their hipsterness whenever possible. To briefly ward off the mockers, some hipsters have taken to extending their sense of irony to include even themselves by acknowledging and mocking their own hipsterdom. For example, wearing a tee that says, I hate hipsters. That way, by mocking themselves first, no one else can effectively do it, reclaiming the negative. Uh, number eight, keep a pulse on the hipster community. There's a strong community aspect to hipster culture. If you want to find out what the best new bands or great local coffee shop, make sure to stay active in the community and get good recommendations to stay ahead of the trends. When some new obscure band is on the pitchfork, preferably before, you should know about it. Check out Brooklyn Vegan if you don't live there. Sturgeon, Gorilla vs. Bear, and The Hype Machine is all possible, but don't make it obvious that you check them every five seconds. Uh, indie Entertainment. Read hipster classics. Your reading sources are important because what you read connects with you with other hipsters, informs you about the culture issues, and keeps you knowledgeable. There's a lot to be read out there, so sort of the wheat from the chaff and into the things that matter most. Things to read include hipster magazines such as Vice, another magazine, and Wallpaper. Forward magazines are good, too. Great books and poetry by people like Jack Kroc, Allen Ginsberg, and Norman Mailer, or any other books you think are great. Any books, period. Reading books sets hipsters apart from other people. 
visit the political science, anthropology, and sociology sections of the bookstores and local library frequently. Blogs by other hipsters will also be inspired enough to write your own blog frequently. Watch hipster cinema. Watch independent foreign films as well as attending independent theater productions such as shows by Anne Liv Young. Watch Wes Anderson, Hal Hartley, and Jim Jarmusch movies. Listen to newly emerging independent music. Indie music is a big part of what being a hipster is all about. Turn to the endless and ever-renewing list of independent artists in the music scene, especially in the areas of new rave, minimalist techno, independent rap, nerdcore, elephant six, garage rock, classic rock, and punk rock. Also remember that you don't have to be famous to be good. Browse amateur videos on YouTube and you may find your style. Hipster artists of note include Lana Del Rey, Grizzly Bear, Marina and the Diamonds, Pink Floyd, Strake Heights, The XX, Nirvana, LaRue, M83, Neon Indian, Neon Neon, King Khan, Milky Clarence, Alt-J in the Shrines, Imagine Dragons, and Bastille are great examples of non-hipster bands because the main part of being a hipster is listening to the bands that no one else has ever heard of. Try Days and Days, King Cruel, Mitsiki, Ikea Graveyard, Waxachi, Dollar Sign, Spoon Boy, Not Half Bad, or Pope Instead. Perhaps the most popular hipster music website is Pitchfork Media. If they th- they give an album a good rating, it must be quite hip. One way to find decipher whether or not the artist is hipster is your non-hipster friends to have never heard of them. For me to listen to the music or of other countries as well, since most mainstream songs of this decade come out in America, Britain, and South Korea. Uh, section on socializing. Use social media. Hipsters love to use Blogspot, Tumblr, Instagram, and WordPress. Ello as well as taking photos with their Holga cameras and making cross-process and dreamlike pictures. Social media can also be a great way to find new things to enjoy before they become mainstream. Date other hipsters. The reason to hook up with other hipsters is that you're making much more likely to connect and see eye to eye on a range of issues. Uh, start dancing. If you want to spot a hipster, just turn around the next time you're at a show and see them standing in the back discussing Stella or Paps Blue Ribbon. And it can't lose the music and settling. It's right, you'll witness hipsters engaging in dance movements. Hipster dancing, if done correctly, does not use so much of the hips as it does the upper body and arms. Lots of swing your head back and forth, but only do this if you're not humiliated easily. Get the lingo and the attitude. Remember to use perhaps the most important hipster line, I liked them before they were cool. Another good line, given the recent spat of disaster, to say something like, I donated to Haiti before the disaster. Dame drop often. Talk about the obscure bands you like that nobody you know has heard of. When your friends talk about a band you're unfamiliar with, just say you've heard of them but not actually heard of them. Look them up next time you have a chance, it'll give you more cred. And sold a lot of bands. If you love everything you've seen like a fanatic, make sure to give off the vibe that you're too cool and elite for a lot of bands. If you'd like to see more educated and elite, then there is a key phrase. I liked their first EP, but pretty much afterwards I never got into them. Use made-up words as often as possible, or use real words that no one really knows the meaning of unless they look it up. For example, uh, I'm not even going to be able to say it. So I can't say those words. Um... Hone your humor, be prepared for critics, um, and that's really it. There's some tips and some warnings, but I'm kind of done reading this How to Be Hipster. So, if you're all this, I'm sure there's some things that probably align with you. I know there's people who like obscure music or obscure movies. I know the foodies, for example, uh, Nate Veronica and Sarah, they like Wes Anderson films. So, I didn't really think Wes Anderson, he has a special way of making movies, but I wouldn't consider his movies hipster by, I guess, maybe a little bit, but I wouldn't say he makes hipster movies. I think his just movies are just liked by not a ton of people, but the people who do like him like him a lot, kind of thing. So that gets us out of kind of the how to be a hipster. And actually, I can't say this. When I was in college, I did dress up as a hipster for a Halloween party. I wore 
think the skinniest jeans I owned, which weren't very skinny, I wore a black and white plaid shirt or checkered shirt. I don't remember. Tucked into those jeans. I wore my hair like slicked back, combed over, really tight, really shiny. Um, I wore uh, glasses with no lenses in them, and I wore a pink and green plaid scarf, kind of threw it over, and kind of stuck my head in my pocket, just kind of hung out, and that was my look for there. So yeah, that was my, I did the hipster look. But I mean, I don't say, like, I wear flannel a lot, I wear dark clothing, I read, I just, I, I think every, there's an extent to everyone, it's not all, but I, like, I'm not gonna do that big, overly stylized mustache, or wearing, like, a jack, like a suede jacket with elbow pads and jeans with suspenders, I'm not gonna be that kind of hipster, but I think everyone has a certain extent of what they do, just like how everyone was into uh, Converse, because they say it's no longer hipster because it became mainstream, but it kind of seems to go be cyclical like that, or dressing like a grandparent would dress, like, during, like, 50s, not 50s clothes, like, 70s clothing now, or 50s clothing now, it just doesn't, I don't know. But usually the kind of what the Wikipedia says, and I'm not going to get into, like, the full depth of it, because I've already been talking for a while, I feel like. But the hipster subculture is a stereotypical composed of young adults who reside in gentrified neighborhoods. It is broadly associated with indie and alternative music and genres such as chill out, folk, modern rock, punk, pop rock, and post Brit pop. The results frequently flaunt a very non mainstream fashion sensibility. Vintage and thrift store bought clothing, generally pacifist, veganism, organic, and artisanal foods, craft al alcoholic beverages, and alternative lifestyles. The soldiers typically consist of mostly white young adults living in urban areas. It has been described as a mutating transatlantic melting pot of styles, taste, and behavior. That's probably the nicest way to say that. Mutating, translated, melting pot style of taste and behavior. Style, taste, and behavior. In terms of its current use, it first appeared in the 1990s, became particularly prominent in the late 2000s and early 2010s, being derived from a term used to describe earlier movements in the 1940s. Members of the subculture typically do not self-identify as hipsters, and the word hipster is often used as a pejorative to describe someone who is pretentious or overly trendy or is a stereotypical term this may be claimed or redefined by some of the term of pride and group identity. Some scholars contend that the contemporary hipster is a marketplace myth that has a complex to relationship with the worldview and value system of indie-oriented consumers. In a 2009 article in Pop Matters magazine, Rob Horning asserted that a hipster might be the embodiment of postmodernism as a spent force revealing what happens when pastiche and irony exhaust themselves as aesthetics. So the origin. So the term was coined during the Jazz Age, which might be where the Merriam-Webster Dictionary got um, the definition of hipster. When hip emerges as an adjective to describe aficionados of the growing scene. Although the adjective exact origins are disputed, some say it was derived of, of hop, a slang term for opium. While others believe it came from the West African word hippie, meaning to open one's eyes. But the argument suggests that the term derives from the practice of lying on one's hip while smoking opium. The ultimate meaning of hip and tested as early as 1902 is aware or in the know. Conversely, the antonym unhip connotates that you're unaware of their surroundings, also including those who are opposed to hipness. Nevertheless, hip eventually became the common English suffix stir, as in spinster and gangster, and hipster emerged in the language. The first dictionary to list the word in short glossary for characters who don't dig jive talk. 
which was included with Harry Gibson's 1944 album Boogie Woogie in Blue. The entry for Hipster defined them as characters who like hot jazz. It is not a complete glossary of jive, however, it included only jive expressing that were found in the lyrics of hit songs. The same year, Cap Calloway published the new Cap Calloway's Hepster's Dictionary of Jive, which had no listing for Hipster and became, and because there was also a 1939 edition of Calloway's Hepster's obviously play on Webster's Dictionary, it appears that Hepster predates Hipster. The term used in African American culture was originally spelled Hep, as in Cap Calloway's famous song Hep Hep, the Jump and Jive. Recorded on July 17, 1939. It was also used in Mes- Mesro's Essential Account of Underground Jazz Culture, Really in the Blues, published in 1946. Initially, hipsters were usually middle-class white youths, seeking to emulate themselves the largely black jazz musicians they followed. In the jazz scene, in 1929, author Eric Hobswam, originally writing under the pen name Francis Newton, described hipster language, i.e. jive talk or hipster talk, as an Argot or Kant designed to set up the group apart from outsiders. This group crucially includes white jazz musicians such as Benny Goodman, Al Kahn, Gary Mulligan, Stan Getz, Mez Mesro, Barney Cassie, Doc Pomus, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Joey Bishop, Chet Baker, and Gene Kruppa, who ought to be counted as some of the true original hipsters as they were instrumentals in turning the white world onto jazz and its underground culture in the 1930s and 40s. The subculture rapidly expanded, and after World War II, a burgeoning literary scene grew up around it. Jack Kerouac described 1940s hipsters as rising and roaming Americans, bumming and hitchhiking, and everywhere as characters of a special spirituality. Toward the beginning of his poem, Howl, Allen Ginsberg mentioned angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of night. In this essay, The White Negro, Norman Mailer characterized hipsters as American existentialists. Living a life surrounded by death, annihilated by atomic war, or strangled by social conformity, and electing instead to divorce themselves from society, to exist without roots, to set out that uncharted journey into the rebellious imperatives of the self. Which brings us now to the 21st century hipsters. In the early 2000s, both the New York Times and Time Out New York were in profiles of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Without using the term hipster, the time referred to Bohemians and Tony to an arty East Village types. By 2003, when the Hipster Handbook was published by Williamsburg resident Robert Lonham, the term had come into widespread use in relation to Williamsburg and similar neighborhoods. The Hipster Handbook described pictures as young people with mop-top haircuts, swinging retro pocketbooks, talking on cell phones, smoking European cigarettes, starting in platform shoes with a biography of Che Guerra sticking out of their bags. Lonham further described hipsters. You graduated from a liberal arts school football team hasn't won a game since the Reagan administration, you have one Republican friend who you always describe as being your one Republican friend. Mark Grief dates the initial phrase of the revival of the term from 1999 to 2003. Similar phenomena occurred in the United Kingdom with young workers in the media and digital industries, moving in traditional working class areas of London such as Hoxton, uh, Spitefields, and particularly Shoreditch. The subculture was parodied in the magazine Shoreditch Twat, in 1999, in the television sitcom Nathan Barley in 2005. The series all about a self-described, self-facilitating media node led to the term Nathan Barley's being used pejoratively to describe the culture it parodied. In 2008, uh, Utney Reader, magazine writer Jake Moen, described hipster rap as consisting of most recent of crop of MCs and DJs who flout conventional hip-hop fashions eschewing baggy clothes and gold chains for tight jeans, big sunglasses, and occasional 
Kefia and other trappings of the hipster lifestyle. He notes that the old-school hip-hop website Uncut and Jersey City rapper Mozzie have criticized mainstream rappers with whom they mean to be posers or fags for cropping the metrosexual appearance of hipster fashion. Prefix uh, mag writer Ethan Stanislavski argues that there are el- racial elements to the rise of hipster rap. He claims that there have been a slew of angry retorts to the rise of hipster rap, which can be summed up as white kids want the funky otherness of hip-hop without all the scary black people. In 2009, hip- Time Magazine article described hipsters thus, to your grandmother's sweater and Bob Dylan's wayfarers, add jean shorts, Converse all-stars, and a can of paps, and a bam, hipster. <laughs> I like that. Uh, hipsters are the friends who sneer when you cop in, cop to liking Coldplay. They're people who wear t-shirts, silk screened with quotes from movies you never heard of, and only ones in America who still think paps with ribbon is good beer. They sport cowboy hats and berets and think Kanye West stole their sunglasses. Everything about them is extremely constructed to give off the vibe that they just don't care. Slate writer Bandon Stauski noted that heavy metal was recently conquered a new frontier, making an unexpected crossover into the realm of hipsterdom. He argues that the current revival seems to be the natural mutation from the hipster fascination with post-punk noise and no wave, which allowed even the nerdiest indie kids to tip their toes into jagged autistic sounds. He argues that a byproduct of this subculture was an investigation of a musical culture that many had previously feared or fetishized from afar. In his 2011 book, Hipstermatic, author Matt Granfield described hipster culture. While mainstream society of the 2000s had been busy itself with reality television, dance music, and locating the whereabouts of Britney Spears' underpants, an unsurprising was quietly and conscientiously taking place behind the scenes. Long front styles of clothing, beer, cigarettes, and music were becoming popular again. Retro was cool, the environment was precious, and old was the new new. Kids wanted to wear Sylvia Plath's cardigans and Buddy Holly's glasses. They were reveled in the irony of making something so nerdy so cool. They wanted to live sustainably and eat organic, gluten-free grains. Above all, they wanted to be recognized for being different, to diverge from the mainstream and carve a cultural niche all for themselves. But this new generation style wasn't something you could buy in a department store. It was something you found in a thrift shop, ideally made yourself. The way to be cool wasn't to look like a television star. It was to look as though you'd never seen television. Hipster style accessories. Fixed gear bikes associated with the hipsters of culture. Slate calls the bikes are an increasingly common hipster accessory. Like I said before, an association of hipsters with increased popularity of full beard dates before 2010. In 2016, historian Alan Whitney remarks that the hipster beard or lumberjack beard is going to be the defining facial hair of this generation. Other hipster trends in the 2010s have included knitting, veganism, urban beekeeping, specialty coffee, taxidermy, fedoras, and printing and bookbinding classes. Oh gosh, bookbinding classes—that's a new one. And I, yeah, the maybe the overly style slicked beard. Nothing wrong with the lumberjack beard. I've grown it. I like it. I like having a full beard, but I wouldn't call it a hipster beard. But that's just me. Um, I talked about the hipster locations. Here's the top ten as of 2017. It's Brighton Hove, England, UK, Portland, Oregon, Salt Lake City, Utah. Seattle, Washington, Lisbon, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Miami, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Helsinki, Finland, and Spokane, Washington. And apparently if you watch the show Portlandia, um, they parody American hipsters. So, check that out if you want to know more. Um, There's some critical analysis and all that, but I think that's probably a good chunk of hipster talk. I think everyone has maybe... At least 5 to 10% hipster in them, but 
it's usually just one thing. Like, some people really like craft beer, like craft coffee, or like weird exotic drinks or movies or just things like that. So I think everyone has a little taste of hipster in them, but I don't think I know anyone who's a full-blown hipster with the old-school shoes, old-school glasses, old-school style, and likes the very weird exotic things like that. But I think that does not on the hipster talk. Not sure what I would have talked about if I talked about podcasts, because that's such a new medium that hasn't really existed. I mean, I guess it's a natural evolution of what ham radio operators would talk about, maybe. I don't know. Or people who hosted radio shows. I guess it's an natural evolution of that. But that's for another day. Um, but then I'll do it for the hipster talk. Definitely reach out to my social media if you have thoughts or ideas or topics that you think I should put in the poll. I'll probably put the poll out uh, later in the day on Wednesday. I haven't decided what those two topics are going to be. It might jump back into the current political scheme because a lot has happened uh, since last week's show. And this is the show talked about where they talked about the shutdown and the border wall, but kind of see how this shakes out here. But I think I'll do it for poor three sixty for this week. Definitely stay tuned after the credits for a bonus mini sode. I don't know what it's gonna be yet, because that's kind of how this show works. But thank you for listening. I am Andrew Poor. Have a great week. Welcome back. You are listening to Poor Entertainment. I am your host, Andrew Poor. This is a little mini episode to cover what I think is the most important entertainment topic of the early 2019, and that involves the 2018 to 2019 award season for films. Specifically, what is going to culminate in this coming Oscar race. Now, as I'm recording this, uh, as you listen to this, really, two nights ago would have been the SAG Awards, which is really the second to last stop to the Oscars. The next one being the BAFTA Awards, which is the British Awards, which has quite a bit of crossover with ours. Um, But uh, I found an article here that I want to talk about, which is the indie article about the SAG Award 2019 and what that means for the Oscar race. So, SAG nominations are often seen as the bellwether for the Oscar race, as the Academy acting branch dominates the votes. But this year's SAG nomination didn't overlap with the Oscar race as much as usual. While a star's born Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Klansman could have used some forward momentum for their bids by winning SAG Ensemble, the winner was the 12-member cast of Black Panther. As they took full advantage of their moment, Star Trek Bozen took the microphone and answered two questions that kept coming up during multiple publicity tours. Do you know this movie is going to receive this kind of response and make $1 billion and still be around during award seasons? And has it changed the film industry the way it works? The answer is to be young, gifted, and black, he said. We all know that it's like to be told there is not a place for you to be featured, to be the tail, not the head, beneath but not above. This is what we went to work with every day. We knew that we had something special we wanted to give the world, that we could be full human beings in the world we were playing. That we create a world that exemplified the world we wanted to see. We knew we had something we wanted to give. You can't have a Black Panther now without a two on it. Indeed, Black Panther won two awards and took home the first SAG award of the day. Announced before the TBS TNT broadcast being the best actual performance by a Sun Ensemble in a motion picture, beating out Tom Cruise's vehicle Mission Impossible Fallout. Heading into the Oscar race, this big win gives momentum to Black Panther. Losing Steam are Vice, which took losses for both Christian Bale and Amy Adams, and The Favorite, which will have to look to the upcoming BAFTA Awards for some winning momentum. Especially due for the Golden Globes winner Olivia Coleman, who lost tonight as she, as she did at the Critics' Choice Award, to Glenn Close for The Wife. 
Brothers was a career prize as the nine-time nominee finally won her SAG Award for Female Actor in a Leading Role. Film is not the only art form that allows us the close-up close said. We have to remember how powerful that is. In the world that is consumed with different sized screens, the power we have is two human eyes looking into two eyes. Though it gives empathy and understanding. Rings to the baffling lack of wins for A Star is Born, which came custom thin to win at the Golds and the SAG Awards. While Lady Gaga shared this Critic's Choice Award with Close and is sure to win Best Song for Shallow, Bradley Cooper has yet to win an award for A Star is Born. And while he, Gaga, and Sam Elliott are Oscar nominated for acting, when they went on stage with Freddie Ramos to introduce their SAG Ensemble entry, they read their cue cards by rote, as they've been doing all award season. Though Gaga has been a Game Awards campaigner, people are speculating about what is wrong with Cooper, who has seemed remote and disconnected. Four-time nominee Rami Malek, on the other hand, brought some sincerity to all his appearances, so that actors value, and that Mr. Robot star nabbed his first SAG win for male actor leading role for channeling pop star Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. I thank Queen, Freddie Mercury said. I get some power from him, which is about stepping up and living your best life. He allows all to feel that this is again for him. We got two veteran actors, Critics' Choice and Globe winner Bale and Viggo Mortensen, who each gained more than 40 pounds of their roles in Vice and Green Book, respectively. PJ Award winner Green Book didn't make Ensemble, but one supporting male actor for Mahershala Lee. Whatever might be wrong with Globe comedy and PJ winner Green Book, it's not Ali who was widely admired for taking, always taking the high road. Accepting his award, Ali threw Swartz's co-star Morganson saying, Vigo, it's been an honor to going on this journey with you. Such a beautiful actor and amazing person. It's Ali's to lose at the Oscars. Uh, the 25th SAG Award presented a surprise award for female actor in a supporting role to non-Oscar nominee Emily Blunt, who played a virtually silent pregnant mom in a quiet place saying, "This truly blown my slicked hair back. She thanked her husband directly and director and co-star John Scuti for the entire experience of doing this film with you. With Critics' Choice winner Regina King not in the running for If Beale Street Could Talk, and the two the favorite actors knocking each other out, Five Star Amy Adams was expected to win this by a mile. Which goes to show that the 120,000 SAC after actors are more mainstream than the Academy. Explore more surprise than Oscar night on February 24th. So yeah, it seems like the SAG showed us that there's really still no clear front runner in the 2019 awards season. It could be Bohemian Rhapsody, it could be Green Book, could still be A Star is Born, it could be Black Klansman, Black Panther. It's really, who's to say? But I definitely recommend seeing all of these films. Uh, Liz and I, Liz, uh, my wife and co-host of Adulting Easy, which will be returning in late spring, early summer. I don't know if we've actually set a firm comeback date, but we get to we're seeing the best picture nominated films, except Roma, due to uh, issues. Roma is actually Netflix's film made by Alfonso Cuarón, who's a great actor or great sorry great director who's made a lot of films you would think of like gravity uh harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban which i think every kid saw at least some point if they were around in the late 90s early 2000s but yeah so it's really who say what this but since it was a netflix film and it aired in a few art house theaters and then went exclusively to netflix like AMC, Regal, a lot of the big chain movie theaters didn't have the opportunity to play it or weren't given the chance, so they're not including it in their best picture lineup. So seeing seven films out of six, um, five of which I've seen. Um, do I have a list here of the nominated films? I'm not going to be able to remember them offhand. Um, 
We have... I'm going to try to remember this. So we have A Star is Born. Vice. These are films I've seen. I've seen A Star is Born. Vice. Black Panther. Bohemian Rhapsody. And then we have... Uh, Black Klansman. So those are the five I've seen. And the ones I haven't seen are... Green Book. I'm just totally blanking on the other one I haven't seen. Green Book, The Favorite, oh, and then Roma. Okay, so that's the eight. So I haven't seen The Green Book or The Favorite or Roma. Roma, Liz, I'll have to watch on Netflix, and Green Book and The Favorite I'm looking forward to seeing since or The Favorite and Green Book are both good. Green Book has had a lot of issues. Really, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, because Green Rhapsody was directed by... Man, I'm really fading tonight. I'm, I apologize. I was... Um, But yeah, uh, all the films are great. A lot of them worth seeing. There's a lot that are nominated in other categories that are still worth checking out. And really just being open to new films. That's really what this is about. But that'll do it for the mini-episode of Poor Entertainment. Definitely check back next week for new Poor 360. And a new mini-sode. Who knows what it'll be. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many others. Listen to the best wrestling podcast in the world. Journey into Wrestling every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. You're listening to Poor Entertainment with your host, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Andrew Poor. Welcome back. You are listening to Poor Entertainment. I am your host, Andrew Poor. This is a little mini-episode to cover what I think is the most important entertainment topic of the early 2019, and that involves the 2018 to 2019 award season for films. Specifically, what is going to culminate in this coming Oscar race. Now, as I'm recording this... Uh, as you listen to this, really, two nights ago would have been the SAG Awards, which is really the second-to-last stop to the Oscars. The next one being the BAFTA Awards, which is the British Awards, which has a, quite a bit of crossover with ours. Um, but uh, I found an article here that I want to talk about, which is the indie article about the SAG Awards 2019 and what that means for the Oscar race. So... Second nominations are often seen as the bellwether for the Oscar race, as the Academy acting branch dominates the votes. But this year's second nomination didn't overlap with the Oscar race as much as usual. While a star's born Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Klansman could have used some forward momentum for their bids by winning SAG Ensemble, the winner was the 12-member cast of Black Panther. As they took full advantage of their moment, Star Trek Bozen took the microphone and answered two questions that kept coming up during multiple publicity tours. Do we know this movie is going to receive this kind of response and make $1 billion and still be around during award seasons? And has it changed the film industry the way it works? The answer is to be young, gifted, and black, he said. We all know that it's like to be told there is not a place for you to be featured, to be the tail, not the head, beneath, but not above. This is what we went to work with every day. We knew that 
we had something special we wanted to give the world, that we could be full human beings in the world we were playing. That we created a world that exemplified the world we wanted to see. We knew we had something we wanted to give. You can't have a Black Panther now without a two on it. Indeed, Black Panther won two awards and took home the first SAG award of the day. Announced before the TBS TNT broadcast being the best actual performance by a sun ensemble in a motion picture. Beating out Tom Cruise, Vehicle, Mission Impossible, Fallout. Heading into the Oscar race, this big win gives momentum to Black Panther. Losing steam are Vice, which took losses both Christian Bale and Amy Adams, and The Favorite, which will have to look to the upcoming BAFTA Awards for some winning momentum. The special drew for the Golden Globes winner Olivia Coleman, who lost tonight as she, as she did at the Critics' Choice Award, to Glenn Close for The Wife. Part of this was a career prize as the nine-time nominee finally won her SAG Award for Female Actor in a Leading Role. Film is not the only art form that allows us the close-up close said. We have to remember how powerful that is. In the world that is consumed with different sized screens, the power we have is two human eyes looking into two eyes. Though it gives empathy and understanding. Rings to the baffling lack of wins for A Star is Born, which came custom thin to win at the Golds and the SAG Awards. While Lady Gaga shared this Critics' Choice Award with Close and is sure to win Best Song for Shiloh, Bradley Cooper is yet to win an award for A Star is Born. And while he, Gaga, and Sam Elliott are Oscar-nominated for acting, when they went on stage with Freddie Ramos to introduce their SAG Ensemble entry, they read their cue cards by rote, as they've been doing all award season. Though Gaga has been a Game Awards campaigner, people are speculating about what is wrong with Cooper, who has seemed remote and disconnected. Four-time nominee Rami Malek, on the other hand, brought some sincerity to all his appearances, some that actors value, and that Mr. Robot star nabbed his first SAG win for male actor leading role for channeling pop star Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. I thank Queen, Freddie Mercury said. I get some power from him, which is about stepping up and living your best life. He allows all to feel that this is again for him. He beat out two veteran actors, Critics' Choice and Globe winner Bale and Viggo Mortensen, who each gained more than 40 pounds for their roles in Vice and Green Book, respectively. PJ Award winner Green Book didn't make Ensemble, but one supporting male actor for Mahershala Lee. Whatever might be wrong with Globe comedy and PJ winner Green Book... It's not Ali, who was widely admired for taking, always taking the high road. Accepting his award, Ali threw support to his co-star, Morganson, saying, Vigo, it's been an honor to going on this journey with you. Such a beautiful actor and amazing person. It's Ali's to lose at the Oscars. Uh, the 25th SAG Award presented a surprise award for female actor in a supporting role to non-Oscar nominee Emily Blunt, who played a virtually silent pregnant mom in a quiet place, saying, This truly blown my slicked hair back. She thanked her husband directly and director and co-star John Scuti for the entire experience of doing this film with you. With Critics' Choice winner Regina King not in the running for If Beale Street Could Talk, and the two, the favorite actors knocking each other out, Vice Star Amy Adams was expected to win this by a mile, which goes to show that the 120,000 SAC after actors are more mainstream than the Academy. Explore more surprises on Oscar night on February 24th. So yeah, it seems like the SAG showed us that there's really still no clear front runner in the... 2019 awards season it could be bohemian rhapsody it could be green book could still be a star is born it could be black clansman black panther it's really who's to say but i definitely recommend seeing all of these films uh liz and i liz uh my wife and co-host of adult and easy which will be returning in late spring early summer i don't know if we've actually set a firm comeback date but we get to we're seeing the best picture nominated films except Roma due to uh, issues. Roma is actually Netflix's film made by Alfonso Cuaron who's a 
great actor or great sorry great director who's made a lot of films you would think of like Gravity, uh, Harry Potter, and The Prisoner of Azkaban, which I think every kid saw at least some point if they were around in the late 90s, early 2000s. But, yeah, so it's really who say what this... But since it was a Netflix film and it aired in a few art house theaters and then went exclusively to Netflix, like AMC, Regal, a lot of the big chain movie theaters didn't have the opportunity to play it or weren't given the chance... So they're not including it in their best picture lineup. So seeing seven films out of six, um, five of which I've seen. Um, do I have a list here of the nominated films? I'm not going to be able to remember them offhand. Um, we have, I'm going to try to remember this one. We have A Star is Born, Vice. These are films I've seen. I've seen A Star is Born, Vice, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, And then we have uh, Black Klansmen. So those are the five I've seen. And the ones I haven't seen are Green Book. I'm just totally blanking on the other one I haven't seen. Green Book, The Favorite, oh, and then Roma. Okay, so that's the eight. So I haven't seen The Green Book or The Favorite or Roma. Roma, Liz, I'll have to watch on Netflix. And Green Book and The Favorite I'm looking forward to seeing since... Or The Favorite and Green Book are both good. Green Book has had a lot of issues. Really, Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, because Bohemian Rhapsody was directed by... Man, I'm really fading tonight. I'm, I apologize. I was, um... But yeah, uh, all the films are great. A lot of them worth seeing. There's a lot that are nominated in other categories that are still worth checking out. It really just being open to new films. That's really what this is about. But that'll do it for the mini-episode of Poor Entertainment. Definitely check back next week for new Poor360 and a new mini-sode. Who knows what it'll be. Thank you, everyone.